630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. David, who earlier tonight scored his 30. One-timer cleft bomb. Rebound. Score. Milan Lucic with his third career hat trick. And it's unnatural. Hattie. Riley's going to throw. Looks to the left side. Throws now over the top. That is complete. Across the 15 to the 10. Touchdown, Eskimos. Bryant Mitchell. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Coming to you tonight from Edmonton's new arena, one-year-old Rogers Place, as the Edmonton Oilers rookies are set to take on a team of all-stars from Nate and McEwen. We begin the show talking about Edmonton's old arena, Northlands Coliseum, and some significant news on that front today. On January 1st, Northlands Coliseum will be closed thanks to a unanimous vote by City Council. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We do have the game between the rookies and the Nate McEwen team coming up in one hour Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer will have the play-by-play. Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley is going to hop on the show in about half an hour. But to talk about this story regarding Northland's Coliseum, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Ward 11 City Councillor Mike Nickel. Mike, thanks for taking time for me. You're on with Reed Wilkins. I know you had a busy day, so I appreciate your time. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a tough day, a bit of a heartbreaker, as you can imagine, because it, uh, now that we know that the Coliseum, are gonna, it's going to be closing its doors on January 1st, uh, it was a hard one for me to take. Well, let, let's get into that before I ask you about some of the, the X's and O's, I guess, to use a sports team of, of sports term of some of the other options and things that could have happened. From an Edmontonian per- perspective, uh, you know, it, can you enlighten us on on how hard a decision this was for you? I mean, I assume you have history uh, of North, going to Northlands Coliseum as some form oh, yeah. of a spectator. Yeah, this is, to, you know, this is the house that Wayne Gretzky built. That's how I look at it, right? And it's and you know, many many people across the city know I'm not a terribly nostalgic man. I tend to be a very hard nosed value for your tax guy transfer accountability people know me for that but you know it's it's just this was one that just i was just part of my youth part of the whole history of the team and and the the franchise and i just you know i had to take a look at this deal every which way but sideways because that building actually meant something to me and um and but uh you know this has been a it's been a long run in the making to get to this point and when the day comes it's 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 a hard it's sometimes uh, you just have to accept for what it is you know the contracts were uh ironclad tight and uh you know this was part of a whole northlands kind of uh confluence and so the the doors will be closing and it was it was um it was just a heartbreaker well, and as I mentioned, it was unanimous, so it was thirteen nothing. So it must have become pretty clear to council where where this was headed. Uh, Mike, can you give me and our listeners a sense? Uh, I, I mean, I understand that that there were kind of three options on the table here, but only two that were mostly realistic. Are you able to outline those for us and, and kind of how you weighed those? 
Well, there was only two really options that could be that could happen here, right? Because of the uh, because Northlands uh, was no longer uh, well. Let's be blunt, needed to be reconfigured because of uh, their financial situation. Uh, we could either uh, the city uh, could uh, could keep it keep it open at a certain cost, uh, but there was very we couldn't put any sports or entertainment uh, uh, activity in it under the master agreement, or we could shut the doors. And, you know, it was at, we're at this point that yeah, if you can't really use it for sports and entertainment, right, as defined under the contract, uh, keeping it open, the, you know, it just doesn't support the, uh, the, the cost and the rationality to do that. Okay, so so that master agreement you're talking about, that's going back to the deal between the city and OEG with Rogers Place, right? Exactly, and this was negotiated. Remember, this has been negotiated. This is almost a decade of of negotiations about the new rink, about different administrations, different councils, and and all that. And it's... um, and to be to be quite frank, you know, it's uh, uh, it's been a lot. We kind of knew a long time coming, a long time ago, that uh, this 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 day would be. We would have to face this day. What are we going to do with the building? And uh, let's be very clear. You know, I made it very clear to council today. This is not a demolish order. This is just closing the door order. And uh, I'm hoping for another another discussion about that site, about the Coliseum, when we talk about an area restructure plan for all the Northland site. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that it's not a demolished order because people have already been saying to me, like, "Oh, did you hear Northland's Coliseum's getting torn down?" So we're not no, th- we're not there. That's not, we're not there. Let's be very clear about that. And I, I want to say it again. This is not a demolish order. This is we're just shutting the doors down because the operational costs and some of the the capital we would have to sink into the building to you know there's all that in there from an economic standpoint. We just have to close the doors for now, and we've got some time to think a little bit about what else can be done. Okay, so uh, Mike and, and I, I hate if and you can tell me to stop if if you don't want to. <laughs> A bunch of what-if questions, but I'm going to throw a couple of what-if questions at you because there have been other things that have been presented over the last couple of years. So if it, if it can't be a sports or entertainment facility that would be some kind of a competitor to events and acts that could come to Rogers Place, could we still visit something like that pitch where it would be a six-ice-sheet surface for Edmonton minor hockey, I think was on the table at some point. Could something like that happen? Yes, but that would have to be, you know, I, you know, that would have to be in discussions with the Oilers Entertainment Group, uh, because that's sports and recreation. Even if but it's the, minor hockey centric, that's the way I understand reading it. Is okay. that the, because the definitions are so broad, sports and entertainment. You know, we were asking, uh, we were asking, what does that mean? I mean, it's it's incredibly broad. And so if you're not careful, you're, you know, you can, you can be in violation of the master agreement. And obviously we want to work with the Oilers Entertainment Group. They're doing great things downtown. And so we're, we're struggling. And we're struggling, and it, that's why I say I have to vote for it because contractually I did not see another way around this. And because it was ironclad, it was tight, it was black and white. 
Okay, well, this is really interesting, Mike. Uh, Mike Nichols joining us on Inside Sports, the Ward 11 City Councilor. So if, if you've missed the story today, he's shedding a little more light on it. Uh, Northlands Coliseum will have its doors closed on January 1st, unanimous vote by council today. So if we're talking about that actual site, Mike, and I guess what I'm talking about is the round footprint where the Coliseum actually is and, and, and the parking lot attached to it, just north of 118th Avenue. So... Could, could I mean is this is this is this I don't want to say the sky the limit but is it kind of an open book that could be residential that could be uh, and I guess I'm talking about if it's torn down that could be a new sports complex that could be whatever an auto racing track or like are we talking there's a bunch on the table that could be considered down the road yeah there's a bunch of things yeah absolutely but we have to do an area restructure plan you know because this the coliseum is not in isolation you know it's right next to the expo center which is right next to the big big chunk of land uh uh to the to the south of it and so what council has to do is examine all the options with these things in conjunction and uh, and so remember the Coliseum from from a, a corporate perspective, from a council perspective, all these three pieces have to be put into place. For example, the you know we also uh, the horse racing is at Northland, and so that will continue operating for uh, I forget a year or two until they have a new they're going to be moving to a new facility, and so that land gets on put on the table. And then there's the Expo Center, which is another piece, but it's also you know tied all onto that site. And uh, this is where we, as a council, have to, you know, we have to get the best value for what we put into this, uh, what we put into this uh, site over the years. And Northlands has put quite a bit of money into this site over the years. So, you know what? It's, um, the Coliseum is a casualty of, uh, of just an evolution of, uh, of how things have transpired. You know, Mike, is there a concern in your mind, and I and I, w- I would guess most Edmontonians probably wouldn't like this option, but but is there a concern that 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, the Coliseum is still sitting there empty, not being used? Because I think even people who might be reluctant to see it torn down would probably prefer that and the land used for something else you know, as opposed to it sitting there empty. Is is, is that a valid concern that it, it could sit there uh, as kind of a shell for a while? The concern is valid, but let me tell you, I asked that exact question when I talked to our planning department. I said, when are you coming back with the first round for this area restructuring pl- plan for the whole site? And they said first quarter of 2018. So we're not messing around here. We've got to get to it, and we've got to get to it fast. Because it is, it, it, we're, everybody has such an attachment. I mean, we, you know, on this site we had K days, and on this site we had CFR. On this site we have the Coliseum. I mean, this is where it's just, just a, you know, uh, it's why I say it's such a heartbreaker for me to see this all kind of falling apart uh, because it's just been such a great part of our, our history and and I and, you know I've been a part of it and so uh, no we're taking it very seriously and we're gonna jump we have to we just simply have to jump on it as fast as possible 
Okay, well, that's interesting. And obviously, there's a, a civic election coming up. So the, the 13 individuals who form the, the new council, and it's usually a mix of uh, incumbents and some new people, I guess, I guess they're going to have to tackle this. Mike, I'll, I'll close out. I, we started with a little bit of nostalgia. I'll, I'll close out there. And I'll ask you to just put on your, your Edmontonian, uh, your Joe Edmontonian hat, as opposed to your city councillor hat. Yeah. Uh, your, your favorite moment or a couple of memorable moments you witnessed in person at the Coliseum. Oh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it's, you know, my, I can, well, there's so many, but it's just the fact that, you know, I look back and this is where I get nostalgic. It's not just about the building, but it was the people in the building, Wayne Gretzky, Messier, Coffee, you know, all these, these franchise heroes, players that will never be assembled again. Let's just face it. There will never be a team like the Edmonton Oilers wherever there. But the beauty of that team back in the day was is that if you saw one of these guys on the street, you could walk up, shake their hand. You know what? They were just like everybody else. And now it seems to me professional sports has gotten to a point where it seems that there's there's a bit of a gap between the players and us. But back then, you had that smaller town, that smaller town connection with that team, and uh, and and then the owners group. You know, there was Poppington, and then there was the owners group, and then there was Casey, which brought a different spin to it. Uh, you know, it's just the cups that they brought to us. Uh, what can you say? This was, you know, this the history of what probably what would be the greatest team, in my opinion, that ever had played on the ice. Mike, I lied. I got one more quick one just to clarify. You, you might have touched on this. And again, I'm doing a what if, so I apologize for doing that. But if the, okay. col- if, if the Coliseum were torn down and a new sporting facility or uh, hockey training facility or something like that would built, were, would that be considered in competition with Rogers or is it only Northlands Coliseum itself? I would have to. I would have to throw that back to our lawyers. Okay. Uh, I'll be quite perfectly. <laughs> well, I'm being they come on the show <laughs> because this is a ten-year kind of evolution, and this, this these documents are like hundreds of pages thick. And so I uh, I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get offside with OEG, City Council, and the whole kit and caboodle. And uh, so, uh, obviously, in that ARP discussion where we're discussing the whole site, uh, they call it the, the final usage of that that site itself is going to be front and center. Okay. Well, Mike, this is going to be an ongoing story. It's it's a significant one. You know, I, I hope five years from now, you and I are talking about a very positive and, and useful end result with with what's going to happen there. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Thanks for sharing some memories and, and clarifying this story. I really appreciate your time. Anytime. Thank you very much. That is Ward 11 City Councillor Mike Nichols. So there's the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on. January 1st, the doors close on Northlands Coliseum, and then it's it's open-ended as to what happens. Yes, it, like he's, as he said, this is not a demolish order. Having said that, it could get demolished. It, it could be turned into something else. Uh, something else could be built there, and, and, and it may not be recreation, entertainment, sports-related. It, it could become a, a neighborhood. It could become a shopping complex. But as Mike said, uh, he doesn't want doesn't want it to sit around, and he said that's that's a valid concern. If you as an Edmontonian are concerned about it being 
you know, re- that, it, that it could just sit there as an empty building because I, I would assume nobody nobody's going to want that. But thanks to Mike for coming on, an ongoing story that, that we'll definitely keep an eye on probably for years to come when it uh, usually has to do with buildings like this. All right, it is 6.20. Reed Wilkins live from Rogers Place tonight. Play-by-play at 7. The Oilers rookies against a team made up of players from Nate and McEwen. That'll be fun. Jack and Bob will have the call. Mike Riley's ahead as well. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Cam Talbot and the Oilers will have preseason games on Monday. Split squad action against the Calgary Flames. One game here, one game there. We'll have the Rogers Place game for you right here on 630 Chad. Tonight we have the Oilers rookies taking on the Nate McEwen All-Stars. Watch for the Oilers line of Butcher, Gambardella, and Yamamoto should be their top offensive threat. We'll have Mike Riley from the Eskimos coming up in about 10 minutes or so. The Eskimos have signed defensive back A.J. Jefferson, Neil King, Johnny Adams, Trayvon Van practicing again today. Odell Willis missed practice yesterday. He was back on the field. No Kenny Ladner, uh, no Kenny Ladler on the field today. So we'll see about his status for Saturday in Toronto. Armando Sewell was a partial participant. I think he's a little banged up. Eskimos at Toronto Saturday afternoon, 12.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 2. The Montreal Alouettes have fired head coach Jacques Chapdelaine and defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe. They're 3-8 and eight on the season. General manager Cavis Reed, the former Eskimos bench boss, will take over as the interim head coach. And how about this? The Cleveland Indians beat the Detroit Tigers 5-3 this afternoon. 21 in a row for the Indians. That's a new American League record tied for the second longest winning streak of all time with the White Sox of 1880 and the Cubs of 1935. The New York Giants of 1916 won 26 in a row. At Rogers Place, they're coming on the ice for the warm-up. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So what's going on here in tonight's game? The Nate players are wearing their blue jerseys, and the McEwen players are wearing their burgundy jerseys. From far away, they actually don't look that different. I mean, you can tell a color difference, but it's not distracting. So the players will still be wearing the jerseys of the school. They represent 10 from each team for this game tonight, taking on the Oilers rookies who will be in white. They wore white at the Penticton tournament, and they're they're actually the old white jerseys. They're not the new ones that have been unveiled for this upcoming season. Anyway, we're about half an hour away from face-off. Jack and Bob are going to have the play-by-play. My name is Reed Wilkins, live from Rogers Place at a hockey rink, about to interview a guy who plays quarterback for a football team. You all know him. It's Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos. Mike, thanks for making time for me tonight. Great to have you on the show again. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. Thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. It's always good to talk to you. I, I'm going to start off here with a, with a slight curveball because before the break, I was talking about the Cleveland Indians getting to 21 straight wins. You guys won seven in a row earlier this season. 
You won 10 in a row, including playoffs, to win the 2015 Grey Cup. Uh, any sport, any age, do you remember the longest winning streak you've been a part of? Yeah, I mean, it had to be that 2015 season when we won 10. Um, I mean, football's kind of always been my game. And, you know, when you're in high school and college, you're playing like 10 games. And, uh, you know, in the pros with 18, it's it's hard to go on a double-digit streak uh, in any sport. But, you know, if you're playing 160 games or 80 games, I guess – um, you know, you can get on a, a little bit more of a roll, but in, in football, you know, you get on five, six, seven games, that's a pretty good stretch, but 10's the most I've been on, and that was uh, that was in 15. Well, that was that was a pretty fun. I wondered if you were going to say maybe you beat your dad 20 consecutive times <laughs> in golf or something like that. <laughs> no, man. My dad, my, don't let my dad's hair fool you. He's, uh, he actually swings the sticks pretty good, so he, I got about 100 yards on him off the tee box, but after that, uh, he's got me in every aspect of the game, so rarely do I post a lower score than him. <laughs> you got a score from 150 in, Mike. That's what they keep telling me. <laughs> yeah, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. Apparently, I'm all show on the golf course because <laughs> I'm not winning any money doing that. There you go. Uh, obviously, we, we, you know, we got a serious topic to, to talk about tonight. Uh, the, the CFL announcing that starting next season, they're going to go to a 21-week schedule. So you'll still play 18 games. It'll be over 21 weeks, so each team will get three bye weeks. And, and more significant in the short term and going into next year, we, we, there are going to be no full-contact padded practices. It, it used to be 17, so you could have about one a week. Uh, and now that's going to be down to none. I'll just ask you generally first before we get into some details. What do you think about this change, uh, getting rid of full contact padded practices? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough from my perspective to really have a great answer for that because quarterbacks are always you know non contact during the week of practice. I've I've never heard of a team or been on a team that allows the quarterback to have any kind of contact, and anybody that gets near us, even if there is no contact, gets reprimanded. Um, you know, and that's pretty pretty general around any kind of football team. So, you know, it does it changes literally nothing for me. Um, you know, in regards to wearing pads, that is something that uh, you know I hope they still allow us to wear pads as quarterbacks throughout the season because trying to throw a football with shoulder pads on is completely different um, than just in a jersey out there with nothing on. So, um, you know, I'm not sure how that rule affects that aspect of the game, but. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it just quite yet because we're always trying to talk about player safety and things like that. And clearly this is a move that the league and the PA feels like is something that's going to benefit uh, player safety. And so that's obviously a positive. Um, you know, I just I don't know what other repercussions are going to come, maybe that are either unforeseen or that we just have to wait for the next you know, year or so and see how it plays out because I do know the benefit to padded practices is you get a realistic game look uh, in certain aspects of the game when it comes to the run game and, and pass protection and picking up blitzes and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, you're going to have to try to get creative, I guess, in terms of getting guys prepared for the, the physicality of what a game has to offer when it comes to 
uh, you know, preparing your run game, preparing your blitz pickups and things like that. So uh, whether or not the product on the field will suffer uh, for a time period until coaches and players figure out how uh, to best prepare without those pads on, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But again, I can't really speak personally to uh, you know how much wear and tear there is on your body with a padded practice because you know I just that's not a world that quarterbacks live in. So um, right. you know probably not the right guy to answer that question. No, no, a fair comment. I think you made an interesting comment too about the impact of the run game and maybe some, some blocking patterns and, and things like that. There's going to be an extra bye week. You know, I know you guys love rest. Everybody says when they're – it seems like whenever a team gets a bye week, they always seem to say it came at the right time. Um, but having said that, this is going to make the season uh, drag out. There's going to be – and I assume they're going to space them out appropriately, that it's not going to be like in 2, 5, and 8. It'll be like, right. you know, in 2, 10, and 16 or something better like that. Does, does that appeal to you, a, a totally extra uh, week off, or do you think that's going to make it drag a little more? No, that part of it I, I am happy about. Um, you know, it's always a challenge for the guy that makes the schedule uh, for our league because of, you know, the, the venues that all of our different teams play in, um, you know, and having some scheduling conflicts and things like that. So because of that, it seems like, you know, every team has to deal with a couple of scenarios each year where, you know, they have a super short week. They're playing on, you know, five days of rest or something like that. Um, I want to say Ottawa this year had two games during one week or something, you know, where it was like week four or whatever. They had two games for that week. Uh, And then there's also the inverse of that where sometimes – you go on a 10-day stretch without playing, and it's not officially considered a buy. So I do think that, A, the rest, the additional week off for, for everybody around the league uh, will be a good scenario, reducing injuries, things like that. And hopefully it also will make the scheduling a little bit easier so that we don't fall into these scenarios where we have – you know, multiple short weeks and multiple long weeks during the season. Hopefully, that'll that'll aid in the ability for them to to have a normal schedule where you know you're playing once a week ish. You know, six, seven, eight days, something like that. Um, you know, but I don't really know. You know, I, I know that they still have to wait until they can can look at the availability of all the venues to schedule next season. Um, but again, hopefully hopefully it does that, and hopefully you don't have scenarios where, like, Ottawa has their two bye weeks at the very end of the season. Right. Uh, and, and on the flip side of that, like, we, we had in 2015 where we were, like, week two and week 20 for our bye weeks. So hopefully it, it normalizes the schedule a little bit. Um, if it does that, then I think it's been successful. Yeah, and just for people, what Mike is referencing there, the way the schedule is now, there is one team that gets three bye weeks. It was Ottawa this year, and 18 and 20 are their last two, which which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mike Riley, Eskimos quarterback, joining us. These decisions were made regarding player safety. A decision about your safety as a player was made on Saturday night. I, I don't want to look back on that decision because it's been talked about, it's been criticized, and it's been dealt with. But I will ask you... This, Mike, from a looking-ahead perspective, you you were part of that. If somebody from the league office or, or, or says to you in the offseason or in the weeks to come, Mike, we, we took you out of the game, your team didn't seem to like it, how would you recommend that's handled in the future? Would you, would you have an answer that you're willing to share? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still not 
I, I haven't read or heard any response from the league in regards to what their reasoning is, what their determination was, why I was taken out of the game. So I'd be curious still to hear what their take on it was. Um, you know, but when I when I watched the film, um, you know, I expected to see one of two things: either for me to take a direct hit to the head, like a helmet to helmet hit. Um, or for my head to snap back and hit the ground, which I knew didn't happen uh, because I knew before I even hit the ground, I was rolling over to look and see if the pass was completed. So, you know, I was expecting to turn on film and see that I had been directly hit in the head or that, you know, there was some sort of weird reaction by me that I was, you know, woozy getting up off the ground. And again, I knew that hadn't occurred. So I'm not really sure what, the reasoning i still don't know i still don't really know why i was taken out of the game i didn't take a direct hit to the head i didn't slam my head on the ground and there was never a case where i felt like i was given the impression that i was injured or hurt or that i needed help getting up or getting off the field or anything like that so uh you know it's still kind of a question mark to me to be quite honest with you um i would i would like to know what it was that my reaction was that forced them to take me out of the game because I felt completely healthy during the entire uh, stretch before, during, and after the hit. So I would like to know what my reaction was so that I don't do that reaction again because, uh, you know, I know that I was completely fine to play the next snap. So I would like to avoid those types of scenarios in the future. Right. Well, and I, I hope you get the opportunity to ask that question for sure. Mike, just a couple more be- before I let you go. Hey, look, and I, you know, I had Zilster on uh, last night, and I asked him the same question. The, the, the team was 7-0. and Now you're 7-4. and the, the, the record itself is, is pretty solid. You know, how, they, how you've got there has been, I guess, uh, sort of unusual. Uh, how is the team morale? How are you guys dealing with, you know, what's now become a, a month without a win after that hot start? Yeah, that part of it's tough. I mean, you know, the reason we play is to win football games, and you you work extremely hard during the course of the week uh, to get as well prepared to win a football game as you can. And, you know, the reward at the end is that feeling of victory. And so to go a month where you've continued to work just as hard, if not harder, than you did for the first seven weeks, um, but to spend that month without getting that reward of that, that great feeling, being able to enjoy it with your teammates in the locker room, go home, enjoy it with your family, and get a good night's sleep. And, uh, and it, you know, whether you win or lose, by the time the next day hits, you, you kind of let it go and move on to the next one. But you do get at least 12 to 24 hours of, of feeling good and, and the pressure and the stress of, of the season kind of gets put on the back burner after a win for that period of time. So, you know, we haven't got to feel that in a while, and that, that part of it's been disappointing for sure. Um, you know, and I think the stretch prior to the Saturday game, um, you know, the, the feeling was compounded knowing that we were just not playing good football. We were not playing the football that we were accustomed to playing. Um, you know, but I do feel like, the feeling in the locker room is back in a very positive note um, based on the fact that we played some pretty good football on Saturday. Um, you know, we obviously tried to pinpoint the couple of stupid mistakes that we made that cost us, uh, you know, ending up in the win column. And, uh, you know, we feel like we've addressed those and, and done some hard work to try to fix those problems. Um, you know, but we know what we have. We know what we're capable of. We know that we've endured a lot in terms of injuries, but 
we also know that that nobody cares. Uh, you still got to win football games. So, um, you know, we know that we have a championship capable team, uh, but that's all talk. You got to put it together on the field, and those those things need to result in wins. So, we're just excited about the opportunity to get on the field against Toronto on Saturday. Um, you know, and play the brand of football that we played against Calgary on Saturday, but play it uh, cleaner and more disciplined. And if we do that this week and every week following, then, uh, you know, we'll be back in the win column more often than not. Mike, one final one for you. I think I think you're going to like it. It's about Darrell Walker. Tell okay. fans of the Eskimos and, and Darrell a little detail about him or his game that makes him successful that might not be apparent to fans watching yeah you know i mean i think it's i think the thing that makes him the most successful is got to be something that's clearly apparent to any <laughs> fan that's watched him play and and that's just a that he's a playmaker clearly but how aggressive he is when he has the football in his hands um you know i don't think there's a db in our league that wants him to get a full head of steam and then try to make a tackle because uh, usually they end up on the bad side of things defensively when that happens. He's going to bust off a big game, and he's going to physically punish you when that contact gets made. So that part of it people probably know. Um, the part that people probably don't know is you would never guess it when you see him in the locker room or you talk to him. He's probably the quietest guy I've ever met. Uh, he's one of the nicest guys in the world. Um, you know, I get pretty heated on the field, and there was a situation last year uh, where me and him were not on the same page. I was getting blitzed. I took a big hit right after I threw it, and uh, he he didn't turn and look as quickly as I would have liked him to. So when I got up uh, and we were jogging off the field, I was trying to get his attention, and I was screaming at him. And I told him what I wanted him to do, and he turned and looked at me, and in the most calm manner, he was like, he was like, Mike, okay, you don't have to yell at me. And I immediately felt terrible about it because I was like, this is the nicest dude in the world that plays the most aggressive you'll ever see. Uh, but that's just the type of guy he is. He's cool. He's calm, collected. Uh, and nothing really gets him riled up. And that's that's another part of what makes him such a great player uh, in pressure-packed moments. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little tidbit, I guess. Incredible story. Mike, you're always very well-spoken and generous with your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Go get him in Toronto on Saturday afternoon. I appreciate it, Reed. Thanks for having me on, man. That's Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. And what a cool story about a little interaction with Darrell Walker from last season. Eskimos, you know, played well on Saturday. That was a great game. I think if they have an effort like that against most teams in the CFL, it's going to be a victory most of the time. So hopefully they uh, play strong, clean up some of the self-inflicted wounds against the Argos on Saturday. We'll have it for you. 12.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 2. We got a game here at Rogers Place in about 12 to 13 minutes. The Oilers rookies taking on the Nate McEwen All-Stars. Jack and Bob will have the call. This is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. That just makes everybody sad here at J.C. Sheriff, and he's not playing. Reed Wilkins at Rogers Place. Oilers rookies against the McEwen Nate All-Stars. We're about seven or eight minutes away from the drop of the puck. Jack and Bob will have the call. Brendan Ulrich is the producer of Oilers now and our post-game interviewer. 
here at Rogers Place for Oilers home games, including tonight. How are you doing, buddy? I am feeling good, Reed. Uh, warming up a bit after that uh, cold round of golf today. I'm happy you have the space heater up here. Yeah, we were at the uh, Barry Cates Classic. Thanks to uh, OEG for welcoming media members out for that. That was a lot of fun. Hey, we just had Mike Riley on the show. We talked about his removal for the concussion protocol on Saturday night. You're right there on that 30, 35-yard line the entire game around those CFL off-field guys that generally are there to time the game and mm-hmm. tell the refs when commercials are. What what did you see going on there? What was your perception of that? Well, I saw Riley pop right up after the hit, and clearly he felt he was ready to go. From my point of view, I, I felt he was ready to get back into the game. Clearly, the uh, the eye in the sky didn't agree with that, and it was unfortunate for the Eskimos. A lot of upset people So So, those, the so those guys there, they're the ones that put the call in onto the field, right? Or did it go straight to the ref? Well, I think it went from the eye in the sky to the ref. To go straight to the ref. Okay, yeah. so those off-field guys did that. That's how I understand it works. Okay, and then all of a sudden he's being let off the field. Yeah, I mean, clearly no penalty on the play. It was, uh, I mean, the Eskimos were in the red zone. It was a key point of the game, so it was definitely a frustrating moment for the Eskimos. I mean, Jason Moff clearly upset at the moment, rightfully so, but I think uh, moving forward the Eskimos need to uh, just, you know, let those things <laughs> Simmer out a little bit, not worry about it too much. I mean, that's clearly a, a big, big call in the game for that to happen, and it shouldn't have happened. It was unfortunate. All right. Now, you have a bit of a connection here to a player who's going to be in this game for McEwen. Tell us a little bit about Ryan Ben. Ryan Ben, former Kindersley Clipper. Looking forward to uh, seeing him out here tonight. I, of course, covered the Clippers for a couple of seasons uh, before moving to Ched. And uh, he was on that team, one of my buddies. And he's actually the captain of the Grant McEwen team as well here in Edmonton right now. So cool story to see him out here. What was he like in junior? He was really good. Yeah, I mean, he's a star. Junior A, we'll see what it's like when he goes up against uh, future NHLers in a game like this. But uh, he was a really good junior A player. Tough. Hands. What was his, uh, his strength? All-around player. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that type of player. Jerk Cleveland's won 21 in a row. 5-3 oh, over Detroit this afternoon. Unbelievable. Amazing. Save it for the playoffs. Well, the Dodgers now are going the other way. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Summer Olympics 2024 going to Paris, 2028 going to L.A. Alouette's fire head coach Jacques Chapdelaine, coordinator Noel Thorpe Cavis is going to be the interim head coach. More on those CFL changes about the uh, schedule and contact and practice on 630Ched.com. Great having Mike Nickel on the show to talk about Northland's Coliseum shutting its doors on January 1st. That's going to be a big story to follow. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Up next, Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, live play-by-play. Oilers rookies against the Nate McEwen All-Stars, live on 630Ched. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.